Welcome. I want to touch on the spirit of giving back a bit. In bonus content over 12 days, I am challenging myself to bring people forward in stories on angelically giving, 12 days of tales of love and generosity. In this series, witness the unveiling remarkable story of 12 individuals who have triumphed over adversity and despite facing their own trials, have chosen a path of faith and selfless giving. Welcome back. And as promised, Today, I have a wonderful man with a wonderful story in our 12-day series where we will be talking about 12 people and giving back. Today, we have Pastor Victor M. Jimenez, Jr. Pastor Victor is a community advocate, leader, and a developer. He is the owner-operator of Community Progress and Restoration, LLC. He leads a credible messenger of New Jersey. He is a husband, a father, a man of God. I don't know what this guy doesn't do. Pastor Victor, can you please tell us whatever it is that I have left out? Oh, amen. Um, so, I mean, I think you just hit it on the head right there. Um, yeah. So, uh, as a credible messenger, I um, I am a lead. I am a lead messenger. What that does is, we are advocates for at-risk youth, um, adjudicated youth. So. I do case management work with them. Not only do I go into court systems and advocate for their rights, I go into the to the jailhouses as well, as well as in the schools and hospitals, bedside um, services. We run school programs and after school programs, um, <clears throat> and, and that's just a that's just a portion of what we do with the youth. Um, Credible messenger is near and dear to my heart because. Uh, um, it, I came from a place where I was, I was involved in negative power groups. Um, that's, that's the terminology we use for gangs. So we don't call them gangs anymore. They're power groups. And we call them negative power groups because that's where I came from. So we take the negative and we try to re reroute and rechange these kids mindset to a positive entrepreneur mindset, a freedom mindset. Is, there is definitely freedom in that. Um, it sounds like it was rough. So, so in my full transparency, I, I didn't change in my youth. I um, I actually changed at 35 years old. Um, my last incarceration actually changed me. I started getting incarcerated at a very early age. Um, by 11, 12 years old, I started going to jail. And I, I found myself involved in things in the streets and um, I elevated and, and you know moved up in the ranks in in these um, in these power groups, and I actually thought that was my life. I thought that was there was no other um, there will be no no other change that that will be where I die. What what hill that I would plant my flag on? And when I came home from prison in 2016, about 2017. Um, I was introduced to Jesus Christ, and in there, I found purpose, and in my purpose, I found what I was called to do. Did you find that it was a tough journey? How did you deal with that, like those attacks and, you know, probably trying to be swayed back and forth between two worlds? So, so to be honest with you, um, you know, me and you spoke off the record earlier, and we, we were talking about um, somebody not being completely honest with their truth, right? And um, <clears throat> what I found was, see, I was completely honest about my truth, right? I, I, there was no added fabrication to who I was or where I came from. Um, I was completely tired of it. I was, I was, I was tired of it. Where from the riches to selling drugs to the pits of some prison cell i experienced all of it right mm -hmm. so um in my transition um what what i found easy was just separation i, I separated myself knowing i was going to go back and try to help others but i had to I had to correct myself i didn't live a lie and what i what we find a lot of times is 
people struggle when they live a lie, when they don't want to admit to their to their full self. They want to give a partial of their story. So I found it wasn't a struggle for me because I was completely honest. I was in my transparency and my transformation. And it allowed me to grow. It allowed me to grow because I was honest with Christ and I was honest with myself. And and when I was able to go back, I didn't I don't I, to this day I don't really fall to the to the struggles of, of what I used to be. I actually what what hurts me more than anything is seeing the people that I um that I once loved still in the same scenario. Mm. You know, not, not I don't I don't want to go back and I don't I don't want to I don't have the urge to drink and smoke and party and, and and hustle. None of that none of that entices me. What entices me is is going back and giving them something that we have that they don't have and they don't accept yet. You know. Can you describe a a moment or an event? that happened that inspired you to start giving back? Yeah. Um, to be honest with you, it started with my daughter. Um, I, I'm a daughter. I'm a father of five. I have three older daughters, um, 22, 21, 19. And then I have two younger sons. Um, <clears throat> but when I came home from prison, um, it was the same old story. You know, I was going to get my life together. I was going to do it. And it's something that we call jail talk, right? It's like you're telling yourself you're going to do better, but when you get home, you get back into the same mess, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I, I, I I, met my my wife at the time was my girlfriend. I met her. She actually was uh, converting her life. She had found Christ. And it was kind of like a divine appointment. But I had a daughter at the time, um, and she was my oldest. She was about 16, 17, and she was struggling with mental health issues. And she was struggling with, with uh, anger and rage and depression, and and I and I watched her go through this this uh, cycle of popping pills prescribed, but I could see they were eating her alive, right? And um, I went on a journey doing my research on 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 what were the cause and effect of the medicines she was taking, what and how many other kids statistically her age were dealing with situations like this. Like I understood her situation came from abandonment issues due to my incarceration in and out of her whole life. I understood some of the root issues, but it just led me to try to, to try to, it, it, it triggered me to find out more. How can I help more? Um, and that was really the start. Once, once I, once I opened the door to, to mental health and, understood spirituality and 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 kind of knew how to tie them together i had a drive to say you know what there's so many other kids in this in this city in this in this state that suffer from the same thing my daughter did um how can how can i help how can i be better how can i identify it i mean a lot i think that a lot of kids dealt with a lot of abandonment issues from the parents, because, you know, a lot of them were kind of in the same boat, but it's, it's great that your personal experience actually influenced that cause in your head that was important, that stuck out, you know, you needed to give back and choose to support. How do you also choose in your mind, hey, Pastor Vic, come and help support me here. Hey, Pastor Vic, I'm going to do a blood drive, help support this. How do you, you know, uh, balance your life where what you're choosing, you're not doing too much? Oh man, that's a great question because that actually was probably the hardest part. Um, um, not I, in the beginning, I felt like I had to dance at every party, right? <laughs> um, you know, it was this event and that event, and and you know, um, you know, showing up here and guest spots here, and you know, minister here, and and, and I was myself crazy. I had no balance in life. I, I you know, I was. I was unhealthy physically because I didn't get sleep. I wasn't exercising. I was just work, work, work. Um, and, and I had I had a moment where I had to realize that I had to had to start being effective. Like there had to be a, a an effective reason while I was there. I just didn't want to be there to be there anymore because too many times we would do events. Too many times we'll be a part of something, and it would be impactful for that hour or two. And then when I revisited that community or that area, everybody was still dealing with the same things. So I understood that there was no foundation laid. It might have been a nice event, 
but there was no structure. There wasn't no purpose put for the rest of those people's lives after we left. So um, I started saying no. And, and it hurt at first, right? Like, what? You say no? I can't believe it. But I started saying no because I understood that I can't fix everybody's problems. And if and, and I would ask the Lord. And the Lord then lead me to those to the places where I need to be. And every time he led me to the spot I needed to be, I was most effective. Mm-hmm. That's I mean, awesome. That. That's what's up because, like I said, I can imagine that, you know, we are open channels. Uh, we are empathic. Uh, and, and we want to give, you know, when we start giving, it's like a, uh, we want to be able to spread ourselves, but sometimes spreading ourselves too thin is too much. What were yeah. some of the biggest hurdles you encountered um, while trying to give back? Um, I would say the for one of the first biggest hurdles was not knowing, not really understanding the, the space, um, not understanding people in the beginning. So um, not understanding nonprofits and 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 um, that that arena in itself. So it took me it took me a few bumps in the road to start navigating correctly, understanding what spaces were where I can preach and what spaces I had to bring a motivated message to, right? Um, mm-hmm. Understanding that there are certain boundaries where I can't cross because it's, you know, I'm not the one putting on an event. It's another, it's another company, another organization. Um, and, and understanding that honestly, not everything is, not everything good is from God. Right. And that's the that's the hardest thing is although it seems like a good thing, it might not be a godly thing. And I think as as believers, as believers or people or human in general, we we want to feel good about doing something good. But is it effective? Are we are we effectively making a change, or are we just f- fulfilling a selfishness of feeling good? Right. Uh-huh. Learn, learning how to separate that and say okay. This is a good idea, but is this a godly idea? Just because we put God of God's name in front of it, did he ask me to be here, right? And when I learned that and I started knowing how to pick and choose, I, it's just been better. It's been more fulfilling for me, um, way more fulfilling. Learning the business side of it. I think a lot of times Christians um, go into a blind faith and they don't take the time to study the the actual um the law of things, the importance of things, right? Like I say, going into going into different spaces. Like when I go into the courtroom or I go into school rooms or I go into the jailhouses, you know, yes, I go in as pastor, but I, I don't put the I don't put the the religious mask on. I have to go in as, as a social worker, I have to go in as a counselor, I have to go in as a mentor, right? Yeah, learning how to learning, right, learning how to navigate that. Um if I'm honest with you. I'm not trying to veer off too much, but I think the church has failed in that because we've been so complicit with staying within the four walls and doing as what we what we know as church within the four walls that when you go outside the four walls, people get people don't know how to be themselves. They only know how to be the character they are within the church. And I'm not I'm not like that. I gotta be me at all times. So um those are just growing pains, things I learned. It's been great. You're learning inside of a courtroom and you're learning inside of a church. Those are two different arenas, like you said, and being able to being able to kind of navigate and go back and forth between the two of them. It, that's wonderful. Um, can you share an instance when you've given back to somebody? You don't have to name names, but and it, you actually in turn healed a part of you that you didn't realize until after you helped that person. Oh yeah, you know I gotta be honest with you. I, um, I run an after-school program uh, daily. Um, right now we're we're, we're closed because uh, getting ready to go into the holiday season. We'll be back open in January, but I run an after-school program for um, the most at-risk youth in uh, in the city of Violet, right? And I have about a hundred uh, eighty-five to a hundred of the what they consider the most high-risk kids in the county, right, or in the city. And that was me, 100% me. So every day, just giving them small, small words of affirmation, every day feeding them, every day just having a conversation with them and then having the feedback come back to me is like a daily healing, right? I remember 
struggling with the lack of a father. I remember struggling with poverty. I remember struggling with um, uh, wanting to belong. I remember struggling with um, having to be in the streets, not because I wanted to be, because I had to be. So when I see some of these kids that society writes off as damaged, I know they're not damaged. I know they're misunderstood. So as I begin to work with them daily, and, and I see the small changes in the and just the and the the confirmation of what I do with them. It's a daily, it's a daily reward. It's a, I, I think I get a reward every day. I get some type of feedback every day of, of what I do. It's not just one main thing. It's just a whole bunch of little stuff that I've been able to accomplish through Christ that allows me to to, to uh, reap those benefits or those rewards. You know. Yeah. Well, tell is that part of the community um, progress and restoration? Yes. So what I do is I run an after school program um, and Mondays, Mondays we journal. Right. So we open up and we write about our feelings. Um, we do a journaling process. Tuesdays, I do a social emotional teaching, SEL teaching. Wednesdays, I do an educational piece. Uh, we right now we're just wrapping up uh, life skills and leadership skills, uh, doing some teachings out of some John Maxwell books, um, and Thursdays we do what we call a restorative justice or restorative practice healing circle, where we we throw bean bags on the floor and everybody sits in a circle and we discuss topics that's that's not meant for me but for them at that moment. What's a hot topic for them, right? Is it vaping? Is it gangs? Is it is it sex? Is it uh um consent? Is it um Instagram? Whatever the whatever the topic is that we begin to open up and we have these healing circles where everybody's in the same spot where they begin to speak. Um and then we do that, we do that for an hour. It's about a 40-minute session, and then after that, they get free time. They get to go to the video game room. They get to go to the music studio. They get to go to the art studio. They get to hit the punching bags. They get to hang out and just in the lounge area and just kick it with their friends. But I, I require that 40-minute time with them every day, um, whether we're doing financial financial literacy teaching. And, that, and, and it's important. So that's part of what I do with CPR. That's one of the programs we do. It's one of the uh, programs that I uh, I actually have a grant for um, through the state. It's a CBVI grant, Community-Based Violence Intervention Grant. And the goal is to take kids off the streets and get them into a, 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 a better headspace. What age groups does, that, uh, do, does your group serve? I do 6th grade to 12th grade. So that varies between 12 and 18. Which, uh, which in itself is a very risky group to have because that's when they start um, exploring uh, with sexuality. So showing that respect, even like if you have, you know, co-ed groups, I'm sure that you see the difference in, in showing young ladies how to be young ladies and young men how to be young men. Oh, yeah, big time. Especially when we have those conversations because we have we have about 25 young young ladies who come to the program. Um, and they range, right? They range between 13 and 17. Um, and when we have those open conversations, like about consent, about the body, right? Um, you know, they're teenagers, so they get a little goofy, right? But they all they ultimately learn, and then you can see them practicing some of the stuff they learn. Um, so it's a blessing. It's definitely a blessing. With that age group, though, what it allows us to do is it allows us to to find the leaders and then take those older kids that are leaders and turn them into peers, like peer mediators or peer leaders. So now we have peer on peer helping helping them out, right? We it's not only coming from myself, but we have a, a also a, a 15 and 16 year old who's a lead. Now they're going in and they're assisting and they're helping the younger kids out. And it, it, it works out really well. Like a buddy system. Right, like a buddy system, yeah. Yeah, I well, in nursing, we use a uh, when we're showing a younger nurse or a newer nurse a new task, we usually call it see one, teach one. So I show them how to do it, and then they go on and they teach it forward. Right, that's pretty cool. See one, teach yeah. one. Um, what impact do you hope that all of this giving back that you've done and all of this work that you've put forward, what type of legacy? 
do you hope to uh, pass on? Um, so in all transparency, I, I've, had, I've had probably the worst prior to this. I probably had the worst legacy throughout the city. Um, I, had went, I had went to war with violent police department, um, physical war. So um, I left a bad taste in the mouths of many growing up. And I didn't think of the cause and effect that it would cause my children. Um, so when I when when I when I think about what I want, I, I want generational change. I, I just don't want to make. A, it's not so much about a legacy for myself. I want to see generational change. I felt like I was a victim of a lot of generational curses, and I want to be able to start raising a generation where they break that bloodline, they break the poverty mindset, they break the same monotony of of what they're supposed to be, uh, and, and we break that mind and they become who they who they are. Um, I want to see a generational change for time to come. I, I honestly believe that I probably won't reap the totality of the benefits on my lifetime of what I'm doing, but I'm okay with that because a generation behind me is going to, is going to reap that benefit and they're going to take it to the next level. Right. And well, I mean, you can tell that this journey has shaped your perspective, even on, on life and, and just resilience, because look at you here, you you know, you, you just said it, like you're in a town starting a coalition. You are now exchanging your, hoodie and your jacket for a suit and a tie and going into the same community and saying, I'm here and you're not going to stop me. How does that make you feel inside? Oh man, I love it. I, 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 those are those um, things you can't put a price tag to. You know what I mean? You know, one of the, one of the greatest things we do is we do this thing called keeping it real, right? Keeping it real is a panel with all local law enforcement in the County and with juveniles. And what we do is we sit them across this panel and we sit one officer, one, one juvenile, one officer, one juvenile, right? And we begin to ask a series of questions and they're hot topic questions. As, as the questions go on, you get the perspectives of the juvenile and then you get the perspective of the officer, right? We take that, that same topic and we turn it into small groups. After small groups, we take those small groups and we have the officers and the students and the juveniles sit down and eat lunch together, right? Then we take the officers into the room and we teach them on the on the adolescent brain development. And we, 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 and we take the juveniles in the room and we teach them on perspective, right? Then we bring them back to the room for a role play. I'll tell you all to say this, right? I was at time, I, I said to you earlier that I was at war with the local police department and now I sit in the rooms and I'm trying to teach the juveniles and the officers to learn each other's perspectives so they don't have to go through what I went through. Wow. Right. Wow. It, it's a, it's such a fulfilling thing because I get to see, I get to see these kids who, who run around screaming F the police because they see that on social media but they don't understand that officer is just a, a regular man and woman, um, just as afraid as they are, right? We had one officer tell the kid, the kid told him, man, I don't know if I'm going to come home at the end of the night. Y'all might kill me. And the officer told around and told him, he said, it's the same way for me. I don't know if I'm going to make it home after every car stop, right? And, and, and it gave a perspective to the juvenile. He's like, what do you mean? You're an officer. He's like, yeah, but. You guys got guns. We got guns. I can be killed just as much as you could be killed. And like, the, my, just because I have a badge, it doesn't mean my life is is less valuable, right? You know. So those perspectives has changed and shaped the community, and I love that, man. I love that. That's those are what's up. That is what's up. Those are just amazing. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. What message or inspiration would you like to give to somebody who may have the same situation that you had long ago and, and getting them to get that light bulb sparked above their head to be where you are today? Um, there is a way out there. there you know, I, I didn't really touch on who I was in that space. I was him. Okay, uh, I ran the entire state of New Jersey under the organization that I ran with, um, and 
I was always told only death, right? There's no way out. But I learned there is a way out. And first it starts with your mind. You have to you have to be willing to change your mindset. You have to be willing to 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 completely unlearn everything you learned so you can relearn, right? Mm-hmm. Um a lot of times we run into guys who say, yo, man, you understand I'm too deep in. Nah, bro, you ain't been as deep as me. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, like, oh, I've been I've been I've been doing this for years. Nah, man, there's a way out, right? Um you just have to make the change. You have to make the conscious decision that no matter what rises against you, you're not going to fall back. Right. Um, and, and I believe it. I've seen, I've seen many men and women come from a space where I was in to becoming better people, to becoming, you know, um, who they're supposed to be in life. You know what I mean? When, when something like that happens, obviously people are in fear, you know, of retaliation that if they're trying to leave the group, that something's going to happen to them or their family. And I mean, I, I know that there's um, evidence that shows that, yeah, things like that have happened, but what is the likelihood that if somebody makes the conscious decision to just want to leave for a better life, that they're going to have that much um, uh, firing back at them? So <clears throat> what, I, what I found is who were you in that power group, in that negative power group, Right. Um, this goes back to earlier what we discussed. Were you always your true self, right? When you say you're ready to walk away, can that group turn around and say, you know what? That man or woman gave us 100%. He was thorough. He didn't front. He didn't snitch. He didn't do this. He didn't do that. You know, I could see him, right? I'll give you my personal example. When I decided to say I'm done, right, I had to write a letter. I had to ask, you know, I had to ask through the right channels. Um, but I left with such clarity because I, I wasn't, I didn't have a bad reputation in that space. You understand me? Uh-huh. I, I, I didn't have, I, my thing wasn't drugs. So I wasn't really addicted to drugs. I mean, like I didn't have a negative narrative. I was known as a stand up man. So if I said something, they believe what I said. Right. And, um, I kept that same character. Like, listen, I'm changing my life. Now, I will tell you this. If I decided today to turn turn back around and say, screw everything I'm doing and try to jump back into the, into the game, then I'll probably die, right? You know what I mean? Because now, now I'm playing both sides of the fence. Right. But, but it, um, you know, people have to be honest with themselves, right? They have to be honest. Like, even when I go around speaking um, on my testimony, and you can even hear it here, I don't mention names. I don't, I don't, I don't um, gaslight situations. I don't indict anybody by just speaking of certain scenarios. So you have to know how to navigate, right? If you're going to walk away, walk away. It doesn't mean in the private time, if you want to have conversations about some real stuff, that's fine. But know your audience, know where you're speaking at. Know when and when you can talk because that ultimately will will, will reap um, retaliation, right? Mm-hmm. But if if you're a stand up person and you you did everything you can do and and you just want to better yourself, you can find a way out. There's always a way out. I'm glad that you clarified that because I think that that statement alone may change the perspective of people who may be on the fence. I would t- I would tell people too, like. You have to go back and and pay attention to what power group you decided to be a part of and look at their history because 98% of them started with stopping some form of oppression, correct? Right. Um you all these all these groups started to protect themselves to 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 uplift the communities in themselves, right? Right. So you you have to be able to go back and say, "Okay, this is who I am, right? Like me personally. I represented something that was against oppression, especially within the incarceration in prison, right? I, I, I represented something that was founded on going against government, correct? Yes. So when I turn around and they see me still advocating, they still see me fighting for the homeless, fighting for the orphan, fighting for the sick, 
fighting for fighting for the rights of, of youth and and the people in the community. I didn't change the 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 core value of who I was. I just decided to drop the entire negative concept. I realized that it wasn't going to come through selling drugs. It wasn't going to come through shooting. It wasn't going to come through violence. It wasn't going to come through immorality. It wasn't going to come through scandals. And, and right, I understood that. And I remind. I remind that same power group of their morals. So I've had people come up to me and say, oh, you don't. And I say, yo, do you know what you stand for? That flag you carry? Do you understand what that means? Oh, it means no, 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 no. Don't give me your your definition of your set. Do you understand the anchor that drives it? Do you understand the foundation of it? And I challenge them to 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 really to really see, right? And I said, you are this gang or this power group and your stance is supposed to be x y and z so <clears throat> who's really the oppressor is it you or is the law enforcement is it you or is it the government is it you or is it the community because what you claim you stand on you're not standing on you know what i mean we've become our own terrorists right we've we've yeah. become domestic terrorists in our own cities yeah right where 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 your citizens can't go outside, where juveniles, young kids can't play in certain parks because they're owned by a certain club or a certain uh, representation, right? And, uh, you know, I challenge I challenge the youth, right? When they tell me I'm from, when they tell me I'm, I'm from, I'm from Walnut Manors. And, I, and, 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 and I'll and I'll say to them, right? And I'll say to them, or they'll say, you know, yeah, I'm from the block. Oh yeah, what the block? Oh yeah, oh oh, you know who Montrose is? No, you know, um, do you know who uh, Quince is, or do you know that? No, oh, it's, why, why are you fighting for a street or a block? Do you understand the name of this apartment complex? Like, you know, you're standing on something. Do you know who a uh, um a Celta is, right? Do you know Axtell is, right? I, I challenge them on their belief systems. Right, because our, our 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 kids have been fed by the oppressor a a a, a storyline that's not true. Right, you know yeah, what I mean? Once upon a time. Right, and, and 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 then you go around and you see some of these old heads, these OGs out here. They finally got their life together, but they're they're not willing to give back because they're holding on to some type of old school stain that they had in 95 or something, you know? Yeah. And, and they're just as bad, right? They're just as bad because they're not helping either. So I, I challenge these kids when they, when they try to represent a block, a corner, uh, 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 a set, you know, uh, a bodega. I mean, that bodega's got his name's changed six different times, you know? Um, so I, I, so I, 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 but what I do is I take these, this, these life principles, right? Because I went back and I educated myself. I went back to records and I got certified in, in ACEs. I got certified in CSOC. I got certified in mental health um, awareness. I got certified in at-risk youth, the brain development. I got certified in all these different things because I wanted to, I wanted to prove, I wanted to prove that how real the word of God is. Okay. And, and, and so when I talk to these kids, I implement kingdom principles but i use tangible reality reality situations right wow that's that, a really true statement that's because sometimes as christians as believers we get so heavenly we get so heavenly minded that we're no earthly good um um our minds are so on the spiritual aspect that we don't make it applicable for the everyday person to, to uh to, to to apply it to change right and when I see these youth, I got to be able to show them and teach them something different, right? I got to. So let me give you a perfect example, if you don't mind. Yeah, absolutely. I, I was teaching on, I was teaching on the mind of Christ, right? And I began to tell the youth, they asked me, how did I change my mind? I was explaining the mind of Christ. I said, do you know, and I think you'll, you'll appreciate this in the medical field. I said, do you know that in the brain, when there's a trauma happens, the amygdala swells, right? I said, 
And when this part of the brain swells, it doesn't allow new neural pathogens to come through, right? This is why when a woman is raped at 14, 15, she's stuck at 14, 15, right? Never grows up, yep. Um, this is why if a, if a young man is incarcerated at an early age, he stays in that age. Even though he's 35 and he's finally home, he's, he's still 21 years old when he first got incarcerated, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if a murder happened, if you lost a parent at 12, 13, that trauma encapsulates you and you're held. So I begin to tell the, the kids, I'm like, I'm like, um, what the, what the Holy Spirit is, it's a healer. Right. And I'm, I'm like, I'm telling them, I'm like, listen, I'm like, I had trauma in my life. I started getting incarcerated at 11. It took till I was 35 to figure it out because I was still that 11-year-old boy trying to be a man, right? I never allowed new new things to come in, right? Because, yeah, I filled myself with knowledge, but I never applied it, so it, it was never wisdom, right? So I started teaching the kids about their trauma and identifying their trauma, right? Homelessness, um, lack of food, right? The trigger. Triggers, right? What's their traumas? And I begin to develop new. I try to give them new neural pathogens, right? So they so they can start thinking differently. So they can start going past that trauma, right? And and as I work on them going past the trauma, then I implement the spiritual side of it. How important it is because your mind, body, and soul, right? Your mind, my soul, and spirit. And I and I begin to apply both these principles together, and I wind up seeing a change that's so phenomenal, right? I wind up seeing the kid that robs everybody, the kid that's that's a stick up kid, now wants to now consciously thinking about his decisions, consciously going back to school, consciously saying, okay, like like I know that happened in my life, but we're gonna move past it, right? And these are these are major breakthroughs mm-hmm. because these are the kids that everybody writes off. These are the people everybody writes off. That's now, why do, why do I deal with adolescents? Because at this age, their brain is still um, moldable, right? It's yeah. so difficult to catch a 45-year-old man and explain to him, him or a woman their trauma without them giving you a thousand excuses, right? It's hard. Well, and they've lived more, so they have more ex- more things to make excuses about. I was oppressed this way. I was oppressed this Correct. way. They have more excuses uh, uh, after 45. Right. So what I try to do is I try to identify the kids that are in the trauma now because if we can help them through the trauma, they become victorious through the trauma. Now they know how to uh, deal with adversity every corner of their life. Every step of their life, they understand how to deal with adversity. You know what I mean? Yes. What um, I, mean, right, right. Uh, I I think that's a beautiful thing. I, I I love it absolutely. What are like what are your future plans or aspirations and continue right. to give efforts back? Um. So I would love to have my own building. Um, oh yeah. To God be the glory. Um. Had a conversation with a gentleman. I take the kids to a horse farm for therapy. Um. You know you know they have dog therapy. You know dogs that come in with like goat therapy now. Right. So I, I do horse farms. It's amazing. It's just something majestic about a horse and the kids love it. And it's a whole different story. Um, but I utilize that. Right. I utilize that to tap into to tap into something for them that allows me to tap into the spiritual side. Right. It allows me to implement God and his creation when we get to those levels. Right. Um, but I rent space and, 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 and I need more space. So. My future aspiration, I, I would love to have about a fourteen to 15,000 square foot building where I could implement the totality of what God has given me for these kids. I believe in the physical uh, fitness attributes. So I have a I have a gym and a boxing ring, um, not to make a champion, but to just just the, just the physical aspect, wearing out the body, opening the mind. Um in this in this building, I would love to have social service department where I'm helping the community, uh, rental assistance, light assistance, um, food bank, whatever I can do. And then and then in the same building, I would like to have my classrooms where I can 
continue to run my programming and and, and um and see the generational thing. So where I'm going, there's a tangible spot, a safe spot for these kids in the community to go to where where they know they can be themselves and get the help they need. And, and it can go on for the next generation. Ultimately, I would love to put myself out of business, right? I would like to eradicate what the enemy has done to our our, our kids and, and ultimately reduce violence to where there's no violence. I mean, so I would love to ultimately find a spot where I can put myself out of business, but until then, just keep doing the work. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm I'm drawn to, and I told you I was going to do this, but I'm I'm drawn to to my word, and it said Jesus sends out seventy two, and all I keep thinking of the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. My God. How, how can you bring? How do you bring people to help you volunteer without forcing their hands? That's been my struggle, to be honest with you. We we um, a lot of people want to help, but when they see the work, they 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 run right. Um, I have a good group. I have a good team around us. It's, it's very small, but we're dedicated. Um, but I, I'm honestly in that mode. I don't have the answer for you because I'm struggling to find consistency in 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 aid, right? Mm -hmm. um, people see, you know, grant money and they expect us to get paid and they don't want to be impactful and they don't understand that you have to show up every day when you're not, when you, when you don't want to because these kids are expecting you to show up every day, right? Um, um, so I'm actually in the middle of that. I'm dealing with that now. So I don't have an answer for you right now. Now, let me ask, though, is there criteria to be a volunteer and working with children with because of abuse laws and, you know, Megan laws? So we do, you do have to be vetted. You have to be vetted through the CARES Act. Um, and then you have to have a background search. I don't care if you're an ex-felon because I'm an ex-felon. It's what, what felonies do you have, right? Right, um, right. Um, those those are the things. Um, and then there's a twofold. Not only do I want to do a background search with you, I need to do a hood search with you and, and follow me. I need to know that if I'm going to send you to a place where a juvenile's at, that you're allowed in that neighborhood, right? Mm, yep. So many people like to pitch this story that they were supreme gangsters, that they were supreme leaders, that everywhere they went, they, they held this. And what you find out is they were drug addicts. They owed money. They got ran out of cities. They got ran out of blocks, right? And what we don't need is somebody, you know, going to an area where they're not allowed at. And they knock on a door and they owe money or they were or they did that family dirty years ago. And so you need a background search for the professional side, but you need a hood round search. I need you to go. I need, I need, I need clarity from the streets to know that you're capable of doing this work because I'm in the trenches, sis. I'm out there. I'm in the projects. I'm listen, gunshots go off. I'm going to kids' houses. I'm taking parents out the house. I'm in the middle of the mud with the love of Christ. But my 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 name is clear. Like I have a a a very good, I got a, a, a Air Max card in the hood. You know what I mean? Yeah. My credit is 1000 and I won't destroy that for anybody, not the church, not nobody, because that is what allows me to do my ministry. That is what allowed me to be effective is that I'm good on the boardroom side, but I'm very good on the streets. And I need somebody to have that same thing. I'm not saying you're not going to have mistakes. I just need you to have, you need to be clear on both sides because we're we're dealing with lives. We're 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 ultimately dealing with lives, right? And we need to be most effective. A kid can smell a fake a mile away, and these kids will do a background search on you themselves. They'll go through Instagrams, and if they feel it's fishy, or man, they'll expose it, right? And and that weakens the work that we do. If I gotta continue to constantly change, interchange people in and out because they're not who they pretend to be or who they say they are. You know what I mean? Right. No, and I totally understand. When I started looking for people, I went in with the notion of, you know, God's going to bring me the right people for the right purpose, for the right message. 
all of the three rights. Like I needed the right people, the right purpose and the right message. What I didn't realize being a mother of five uh, and five boys, it's hard for a woman as a single mom to raise five boys. I am blessed. I am so beyond blessed. I have a 30 year old. I have a 27 year old. I have a 24 year old, a 23 year old and a 19 year old. Let me tell you, they have been the best blessing to me. Amen. I've come against anything that comes in their lives now as adults, but as children, it was equally as hard because, and I'm going to get emotional. I don't feel that I was equipped as a woman who was suffering being a single mom, trying to keep these kids off the street. I was just blessed. God had favor on me. And I know that there's so many moms and my, my heart goes out to all those moms who can't protect their boys and that they're sitting in prison somewhere because she couldn't protect her son from the street and, and what was to come. And I'm so grateful for your mission in giving back because, you know, you can really turn the lives, not only of these kids, but of these moms that are praying for their kids every night, struggling praying, a single mom sitting there wondering if they got to work two shifts or if they got to come home because they don't want their kids to get in trouble or have people in the house that they're not supposed to have. You you feel me? Heck yeah. Heck yeah, I do. I do. I, I, I see it every day. I, I watch it. I watch mom, great moms just struggling. They get men in the house who are doing the, not doing the right thing and they're either treating the kids bad or, or taking advantage of the daughters and it, uh, it breaks my heart. It, it really breaks my heart because um, the enemy has done a great job of taking men from the house. Mm. The enemy has done a great job of removing the father. The Bible says that the oil runneth from the beard down, right? From the head down. Um, and the Bible speaks clearly of, of, of the man being the priest of the home, right? And, and it says... It says that, interesting enough, society tells you that we're supposed to uh, love each other equally, right? And we are. But the Bible says, right? Oh, love for, the neighbor. Right. But the Bible tells the man specifically, right? The The Bible says that the man, is, the man that doesn't provide, right? The man that doesn't provide for his family, right? That's like an ultimate sin. The book of Proverbs talks about that. It talks about the man that doesn't provide is, is, is almost detestable, right? And the importance of that is because the man is supposed to show the way, right? The enemy has done a great job of removing that. And, and, and women have been called to be the men and the mother, right? Women have been called to, to be the alpha male and the beta, at the same time, and it hasn't been fair. And, and we've seen because of that what society has done to our children, how how the prisons have been overflowed, how school has become a school to prison pipeline, how how our kids are automatically written off now when they come from a single parent home, right? Mm -hmm. And and the mission, the mission, the mission is to raise. A group of men, a young men who are out, who are leaders, who, who, who love their wives, who love God, who, who love their community, and who are willing to build and stand on some more some morality, some on a, on a character that's that's embedded in them, right? Um, and to raise young women to respect themselves and not have to go through the struggles such as yourself of being a parent, a mother of five with no help, right? Um, some people don't have that story. Like you said, there's mothers who lost a lot. The only thing they can ask for is that their child is incarcerated because that's probably what keeps that child safe. Exactly. And that's a horrible feeling. I got mothers I deal with on a daily who say, Mr. Victor, can we just go put him in jail? At least I know he's okay. And I'm like, no, because that's traumatizing to him. We don't want him in jail, but I understand the pain of the mother because the mother can't sleep at night because the kid's ripping and running the streets trying to be a man. Yeah. And and, you know? and that's the thing, you know, I the enemy is going to attack the man first. Why? Because he knows when he gets the man, he's going to get the woman too. 
Yeah. He gets the man out the way, then you then it's open game. It's like a buy one, get one free for him. Right. You know, it's a it's a running field. And and it hurts. It it does as a mother, like I said, my you know, it hurts because I, I'm blessed. And you know, I I had my instances of having um rambunctious kids, you know, that were could have went a different way. And I'm just blessed that God has given God has shown mercy on my life because I haven't always been perfect and that I do not pay, that my children do not pay for the sins of their parents. I, I'm, right, right. I, that's a blessing to me because I wasn't always a perfect mom. You, you know, the feelings, you understand the feelings of, of the worriness and, and, and yeah. And, and it kills me that moms are doing that every day and not knowing if their kid is going to come home. That's not right. knowing if they're part of the, these negative power groups that are saying, we're your family now. Because, right. oh, right. man, it's terrible. So the work that you do, like I tell you, I I compliment you and I, I, I pray blessings upon blessings that you get the, the the volunteers that are needed that that between community, between connections and, and um, marketing and just networking that you get all that you need. I mean, aside from that, you know, you have to have a pretty decent criminal record in order to become a volunteer in your group is there anything that will exclude somebody that we can point it out now that they can help in different ways um exclude me no like you don't have to have a criminal record to work with me um no but the opposite what if they do have a criminal record no i'm I'm okay with that because i i have i have multiple felonies in my own jacket um exclude me only thing that's going to exclude you is any type of sexual crime, any type of deviance, any type of like, you know, um, Megan's law, anything that gets flagged within the state. Um, right. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and let's say, let's say, let's say you got away with one, but the the city knows you're like a pedo. That's not going to work for me. Right. right. Uh, the protection of these kids, the, 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 the protection of these children is, is everything to me. I, I, I cry for these kids. I, I come home to my wife sometimes and I, I carry the weight of their world on my shoulders and I come home and I I close the door and I cry for these kids. I want to protect these kids because I feel like I wasn't protected as a kid, right? Right. And, and to God be the glory, I was saved, but I went through years of rage, anger, frustration, murder, and all type of things, and that's for a whole other conversation. I'm always willing to jump on here and not have a whole other. Oh, I'm, I look, you just you just gave yourself an open invitation every time. Yeah, you, yeah, you yeah. Test- invitation. Testimony of uh, of the of the complete. You know, I was a victim of, of of severe child abuse, broken arms and fingers and busted eye sockets. I was a victim of uh, molestation. I, I mean, so so when I. The call to guard these kids, if I'm asking somebody to work with me, I need you. I need to know that those kids are going to be protected when I walk out that room. You know what I mean? Right. Because I feel like those parents are entrusting me to be with those babies. Those parents are saying, Mr. Victor, Victor, I trust you enough that I'm going to leave my kid with you from five to eight o'clock that nothing's going to happen to my child while he's on your clock. You know, absolutely. And I take that responsibility extremely, extremely. So I, I need somebody to, you know, anything to do with any type of sexual deviance or or or, or, or anything like that, it automatically excludes them. I mean, I, maybe maybe you um, sold drugs or you beat somebody up. We all have a past. I don't judge anybody on their past because. If you if you're connecting yourself with me is because you're working on a better you. I right? know that's right. Absolutely. I I was thinking that as soon as you were saying it. Right. So so I'm totally okay with the past. Now another thing would exclude you from me and working with me would be if you have one foot in and one foot out. Mm. If God spits you out cuz you're lukewarm, I will spit you out you look. I do not need a somebody who's and I had this I had this not too long ago, right? I had a gentleman I know who keeps constantly reaching out to me. He wants to help. He wants to help. He wants to help. I see him, you know, back in September, right? He's riding around with some kids. I know the kids. I, I get him on the car. I'm, what are you guys doing? 
I seen him making a drug sale. So I, I immediately go on him. But he said, well, we were him. So the guy takes a mask off, and I see who the guy is, and I begin to spaz out on him, right? And I tell him, I said, yo, you know what's funny? I said, you was a freaking punk in prison, right? <laughs> That's what we and the, the pastor of me went out the window, and, and the street kid came out. I said, you was a punk in prison. You remember who you were? I said, you remember? I said, so now you're playing Mr. Tough Guy. You're feeding these kids drugs, having them sell drugs for you. But yet, you call me because you want to be a, a positive role model in the community. You don't want to be a positive role model. You want to be a piece of crap. And you can't. And, and, you know, I wound up giving him the business. Like, like, I know you know you. And how dare you take these kids from the safety of their house to sell drugs for you and dare call me to ask me to to help you with when, have you help me with these kids. Like you have a you have a hidden motive. You know what I mean? Right. So that'll exclude somebody working with me. If I see that they're they're one foot in the street and one I don't need nobody in the street. I did enough street for everybody. I have enough street in me where I don't need no I don't need nobody's toughness from the street. I need your your true your transparency. I need your trueness and I need your willingness to to do the work to do the work and be a role model for these kids. If that's not going to be the case, then I don't, I don't need them around. Mm -hmm. That's, and you know what, to be fair, they shouldn't be around if they are one foot in or one foot out, because all that does is not only you're not, first of all, you're not being pure and authentic to these children and transparent. You're being lukewarm, like you said, and, and being, I, I can't express how much, it's a battle for these kids to come to, to be able to come to your place every day and say, I, you know, I, I don't know everything that I think I know. Then to have somebody that comes to them and the kids know, like you said, they smell out of fake and they're like, well, if he's living both worlds, I can too. Right. Right. Cause you know what happens? These kids live in the same hood. Yeah. So they'll come, they'll come tell me, like, oh, you had that guy over here, man, that guy be over there busting traps. I'm like, what? Like, you know, because it's happened to me before, right? I've had people come and talk to the kids, and then my 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 same kids come and tell me, yo, don't trust that guy, bro, because he be doing this, that, and the third. And I'm like, you know, and, and they don't want that. They want somebody to give them the opportunity to, right? You know what I mean? You know, you got a kid who has a trauma, a trauma bond, and then, you know, you, you have somebody who's in and out that's trying to mentor to them, and then this kid has another trauma that happens to him, and instead of thinking the right thing, he's going to say, you know what? Such and such is living both worlds. Let me just go ahead and do that because it seems like he got it better than I do. Like whether it be what? poverty, whether it be not getting new sneakers, whatever the trauma is that that kid deals with. You know what I mean? He sees that somebody else is playing, got their hands dipped on both sides of the lake. They may want They may think that it's okay. Right, right. And, and, and those become unhealthy soul ties, mm -hmm. you know? Because now, now you're binding yourself to somebody who, who's living dangerous, and you yourself, like you said, you continue to add more trauma. Uh, you know what I mean? Because you're not, you're not committed. You know, I want, I want these these kids, these teenagers, to understand what hard work and commitment does for their lives. Right? You know what I mean? Right. And I use myself. I tell them myself. I give them bits and pieces of my story a lot. And they, they're always blown away when I give them a little more, right? They're like, for real? I'm like, yeah, buddy. They're like, and, and you here with us? I'm like, yeah, because I love y'all. Like, I love you guys. <laughs> and, and I don't, I see a bunch of me and everybody here, and I don't want you guys to, to, to fall victim to that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Let me, let me tell you something, sis. My phone blows up. It's so interesting. I'm not a relationship therapist. You know how many teenagers come to me about boys and girl problems? Right, <laughs> like, like Mr. Vic. Some of the young ladies they call me uncle. They call me Theo. Right, Theo. Can you believe so and so didn't talk to me today? He's being weird. And I said, Well, he's a teenage boy, and teenage boys are weird, right? You know, like, like it's okay. Right? And I laugh. I said, I said, How did I go from like being a, a violence, a violence uh, reduction advocate to like being like a, a therapist to these kids in there, but. <laughs> We I've built that space and I honor that space because that's the space God gave me. You know what I mean? I know that's it's a, right. It's a space God gave me to constantly 
Put in a positive word. Put in an encouraging word. Remind them that they're loved. Remind them that they're needed. Remind them that they're special. Do you know that the suicide rate for for this generation is three times higher than our generation? Oh my God! Yeah, we, I, I, I say I, I'm forty. Somebody else. I'm I'm forty one years old, right? And and in my generation, the generation prior to me, suicide was not a thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was it was always a thing, but it wasn't as high. This generation, the first, the first sign of any obstacle is suicide, right? And it blows my mind because that's a that's a that's something the enemy has over our kids. That makes them believe that their life is not as valuable as it really is, right? They don't understand the value of what life really is, and and, and I I hate to see that. You you know. I've lost kids to suicide in the last few years, right? Because they felt like their life wasn't as valuable. So I don't mind those conversations, those text messages when they're angry and they say, I'm just mad. I need somebody to talk to you. Fine. Talk to me. Right. You know, mm-hmm. I don't mind it. I don't mind. I don't mind those conversations. I don't mind. And I don't always shove Jesus down their throat because I think that's over religious. And I think that dogma is, is horrible because it, it is this fear opposed to love. So I, I don't, but I always, I always put a kingdom principle in the conversation, right? A God-like character in the conversation. I always put a Jesus emphasis in something, but I don't, I don't reap, I don't bang their head with salvation and hell and because they're going through their own turmoil right now. Right. You know what I mean? And, and it's a fine, it's a fine line. It is. And, you know, but that's why I said, and I know that 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 call for volunteers and people who are just like you, it has to be difficult. And that's why I was I I wanted to make it clear for anybody who's listening in that would want to help. But maybe he's been on the fence, um, not lukewarm fence, but like on the fence of can I actually help? Can I actually make a difference? I think everybody's story can make a difference. From the, right. the the smallest of stories to the biggest of stories, and I I pray that this message gets to the generation, to our children's generation, because maybe if you had more um, young men or young women advocates, it like at our children's age, that would be able to mentor to the youth that you're serving. Oh my now. God! Yes, yes. You know yes. what I mean? I think that would be phenomenal, and I call. I call I call out. I, I, I actually speak it into your existence that this alone Jesus. will bring some people into, you know, uh, that are like our children's age to be able to talk to them so that they can see real life, not some OG telling them, but, you know, right. somebody that they can relate more to that's got on a pair of of Jordans. You know what I mean? Like, I, I mean, here we are wearing suits and ties and scrubs. They're not going to relate to us as much as we they would relate to our children who are at the younger generation. I stand in agreement with you because listen, I, I don't just, anybody who comes alongside to do this work with me, I just don't put you out there off of just your, your experience. Like we take you to an actual training. So you learn the adolescent, the brain development of adolescent, right? We take you through actual training to learn at risk behavior. We take you through a mental health first responder training. We take you through, we take you through uh, uh, the Credible Messenger training, which is an eight-week training on community. It's an eight-week training on what love looks like. It's an eight-week training on restorative justice practices, right? So I'm not just asking somebody to come help just to help. I'm saying if you come help, I promise you I'm going to equip you. I'm not going to leave you just with your one story. I'm going to equip you, give you the tools you need to be successful, right? Because I believe in making the fight fair. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's right. Making the fight fair. What makes us different? What makes what I do different from everybody else? I'm subject matter X. I have lived experience as well as what, what I tell people when I go to the school and I tell the schools this all the time, right? And, and even in the courtrooms, I said, the difference between you and I is this, what you guys and you, what we do you guys, we can pay for the education you guys have, but there's not a dollar amount you could pay for the experience that we've obtained. Yep. Right. 
And, and I tell people who come to help with us, we are subject matter X. The ball is in our court. We're going to go get educated. We're going to learn what New Jersey calls the criteria. What are the borderline? What are the laws? What are the, what, what are the, what are the, what are the, all the acronyms that we have out here, right? We're going to learn them. We're going to learn how to navigate them, but they can't pay for your experience. Doesn't matter how much, they will never be able to walk in your shoes. And that's when you have the advantage because you could pay for their education, right? Mm-hmm. And if we learn how to marry that thing, if we learn how to take our, our our lived shared experiences, implement it educationally, but apply Christ-like Christ-like um, morality theology to it, we have become we have God has given us a success plan that's unbreakable. Yeah, the enemy can't overpower that. Can't. I just need people to believe, right? Believe because there's success there, right? You know what I mean? It's gonna be a it's a battle, but it's worth the battle. Yeah, I I trust and believe. I pray, I pray this podcast gets to the right people at the right time and the right exposure so that you can get those people because I think what you're doing is amazing work. So I thank you for your extra time that you actually put into this. No doubt, but I, I I'm honored. I'm honored. I'm honored that you even uh, thought about me. I'm honored that you're willing to share my story. You're willing to share the work. And, and I, 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 in return, pray that the Lord opens platforms for you to, for this, for this dreams to go places where you don't even think it will go four corners of the earth, man. In Jesus name. In Jesus name. Thank you so much. If anyone wants to get a hold of you, as far as like, you know, being volunteering, donating, um, CPR, Vineland at gmail.com. Is that the best yeah. way to get a hold of you? Yeah, that's the easiest way to get a hold of me. CPRVineland at gmail.com. I don't really, I don't have my notifications on for um, um, Instagram or Facebook. So if you reach me there, I probably won't see it for days. You know what I mean? Yeah, no. So that's the best uh, place to get it. And yeah, like I yeah. said, I, I pray that leaders, I pray that stakeholders, uh, all, you know, investors, I pray that this hits the right ear so that you can get that building. And I pray into your existence. Thank you. In Jesus' name, I receive that. I pray for you. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time. Guys, I am. I, we're going to wrap this one up. But thank you so much for tuning in this whole time. And like I said, if you're interested in helping out, no matter how big or how small your story is, you see that there is a youth out there that needs our help. And there are mothers out there that are screaming for good people to come forward and help. So I, I implore you to, to contact Pastor Vic and, and just give him some of your time, whether it's a day or, or not. I mean, you know, the day that you could be going to the mall or, or, or down to Atlantic City, you could be doing with Pastor Vic. So, you know, spread, spread it. Keep spreading the love. All right, guys. Until next time. All right. Amen. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Thank you guys for tuning in. Wasn't that great? Pastor Vic and everything he's doing for the city of Island, a city I grew up in, a city where my children grew up. I just implore everybody to contact him to give back time and more to come on these 12 days.